Thanks be to you from God, our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, Anna told me that she was quite disappointed with me because as this Lenten series continued, she figured after all of the preaching I had done to wonderfully explain the Lord's Supper and all the great blessings that come with it, she says, why aren't we receiving it every Wednesday evening with the teaching? I guess that's a pleasant disappointment one could have. Because Luther calls for those who know the benefits of the Lord's Supper, those who know what the Lord's Supper is, to go to their pastors and plead with them to receive it. He said, if there are those who know these things, the pastors will not have to force upon the people the Lord's Supper, but they will come begging for it. And my wife reminded me of this just last week. God bless her for such good words. You see, that is what the hope and uh, prayer is of all the pastors that I believe are teaching on the Lord's Supper during this Lenten season. Tonight, we look at what is the benefit of this eating and drinking. And I think at the end of our hymn, that is the hymn of the day, we heard quite, quite uh, succinctly what those benefits are. In verse or stanza six, it says, Now have I found consolation, comfort in my tribulation, balm to heal the troubled soul, God my shield from every terror, cleanses me from sin and error, makes my wounded spirit whole. I think the first time that one is finally admitted to the Lord's Supper is a monumentous moment. It is a moment when they finally are there, kneeling before the Lord's Supper, something that they have anticipated for so long, receiving on their tongue the bread and the wine, but yet knowing something that is much greater present there in the Supper the body and blood of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And they know because of the teachings which the scriptures have proclaimed that to receive the body and blood of Christ is not just an ordinary meal, but it is Christ for them, coming in a way that is extraordinary, coming with the forgiveness of sins, with life and salvation, as Luther teaches in the small catechism. But for all of those that have waited for that day and then receive not what the scriptures have spoken, but what the adversaries to the Lord's Supper have used to twist the words, what comfort do they have for their souls? What comfort can they draw when the words of the Lord's Supper have been weakened or voided completely? Not any talk of bodily presence of Christ, nor the distribution of it in both kinds, that is, in the bread and in the wine, in the body and the blood. Where is their comfort for their troubled souls? Where is the benefits assured to them received in the supper? They cannot have it. Because apart from these words, apart from the proper teaching of the Lord's Supper, the benefits are, in fact, removed or at least called into question, and doubts arise. No, what the Christian church desires, what those who teach properly regarding the words of institution desire, is that each person comes forward and receives to their benefit 
the body and blood of Christ given and shed for the forgiveness of their sins. And they can know for certain if they have received it to their benefit, as we will learn in the coming weeks. For the one who receives it worthily believes in those words given and shed for them for the forgiveness of sins. We know that as we partake of the body and blood of Christ, we receive the Savior of the world, his body joined to us in a most special and intimate supper, the feast of the Lord. I suppose we could say enough there and stop to just receive the body and blood of our Savior. That would be most beneficial and important enough. But there is yet more to say. I suppose it is natural for us to ask that question. What is the benefit of doing this or that? Regards to all things in the church, whether it is reading the word of God, prayer, confessing sins, or going to the supper of our Lord. What is the benefit of this? Well, not only do we receive that blessing of the new covenant that is poured out in Jesus and in his blood shed on the cross, but with that new covenant of the forgiveness of sins, we have that assurance that God the Father has received the very payment for our debt that stood against us. The very blood that we receive is the blood that was poured out in order to claim us as his own, to make payment for our sins. Jesus Christ on the cross died for sinners, of whom all of us are. He died to set us free, and this blood which poured out, which streamed alongside the water from Christ as he hung on the cross, is the lifeblood of the church. And there we receive it in the cup, given to us for the forgiveness of our sins. And where we find there the forgiveness of sins, we most certainly know that there is life and salvation to us. But you all remember that you were brought into the new covenant through the word of God and through baptism. And you might say to yourselves, well, if God has baptized me, washed me and purified me, why should I go to the Lord's Supper? Is there any benefit to going there if I have already been baptized? To which a faithful pastor would answer, of course there is. All you need to do is check. Do you daily sin much? Are you in need of the forgiveness of Christ? Do you sometimes wonder whether or not you remain in that covenant of God? Well, Jesus here in this sacrament gives you the sign and the seal of the new covenant. He promises that by this gift, you shall be preserved and sustained in the one true faith. And that your soul, which may be troubled with its sins, can be refreshed and renewed. There you find, next to your brother and sister in Christ, that you are united together as the body of Christ. There, though it is many, many grains which are used to make that body, that bread, you are yet joined in one. And though many grapes are used to make that wine, yet they are united in one. 
So as the Christian church, united in the body and blood of Christ, are not many but one. We are all members of Christ, all given there the forgiveness of sins, all cleansed, all remain in the covenant, having received this supper to our benefit. And in wondering whether or not we yet remain in the covenant, isn't it so reassuring that each week God still invites you back to his house, back to the table. He does not refuse you who are repentant of your sins. He does not refuse the weak or the ailing. He says, come near, draw near and take the body and take the blood. Receive, he receives us into fellowship at this altar. Again, a pledge, a sign, a guarantee that we are again in the blood of the new covenant. We receive Christ in ourselves and there he sustains the true faith. The faith which opposes all the temptations and doubts which afflict us as soon as we leave the table. By the sacrament here in the Lord's Supper, whatever is forgotten Whatever has been lost to us is brought again to remembrance. For when he says, do this in remembrance of me, what is he saying? But that I assumed your body and blood in order to give to you this new covenant. I have restored what was lost and fallen in the human race by living the perfect life. I have given to you that which I assumed the body given into death and raised again, the blood which was shed and poured out for many as a ransom. I have offered for you to receive this assumed body and blood now risen from the dead in a supper which I instituted and gave to the apostles to deliver to all the church. Do this in remembrance of me, Christ says in order that the faith which I have given to you may in the eating and the drinking all the more be strengthened and preserved until you eat of this meal with me in my kingdom. Do this in remembrance of me. With all of these great benefits, the Christian in their great weakness knows that when the supper is offered, there they will find Christ present for them to comfort their troubled souls, to shield them from the attacks of Satan, to give to them the strength which is depleted throughout the week, and most especially bring to remembrance all that which this sin and our sinful nature brings us to forget. It has been at many times which I have shared with you a great gift of the Lord's Supper given to those who are on their deathbed or near the hour of death. And how special it is. For this last benefit, I believe, is great and wonderful to remember as we commune this coming Sunday. That we commune with the whole company of saints, with all those that have gone before us in the faith and are now before God in heaven awaiting the day of the resurrection. We commune with them because here at the supper, heaven meets earth, and God joins together the whole company of believers, both in heaven and on earth. And so it is with those who are near death 
and they about to be transferred from this life into the life to come are one more time refreshed, strengthened, renewed, and preserved in the body and blood of Christ. And I have been at the bedside of those who may be forgetting who they are, who their family members are, but there they mouth the words of the Lord's Supper. There they mouth the words of the Lord's Prayer, and they are strengthened as they receive in their own body the body of their Savior, who has promised never to leave them or forsake them and to shield them until the very last hour, for he has promised to be with them to the very end of the age. What great benefits this supper delivers to the saints. And so it is, as Anna told me last week, the more that we learn about the Lord's Supper, of course, the more we shall love it, the more we shall defend it, in the plain and natural reading of those words that Christ gave, the more that we will diligently retain its use in our own lives, the more we will guard it from all abuse and from those who would unworthily take it, the more we will encourage others to readily receive it rightly, and the more we will not allow it to be removed or changed in any way lest we lose these blessed benefits. And so it is that Christ here in the supper, God himself, draws nearer to us than we could draw to him. He comes closer to us than we to him. He loves us here more in this supper than we could ever love him. And by this treasured gift, he holds on to us, more firmly than we could ever hold fast to him, promising to taste of this, the marriage feast of the Lamb in the kingdom which he has prepared for us. The more that we love this meal, the more we will defend it, the more we will make use of it, the more we will call for its offering. Luther was right in all of those things. So let this gracious meal of the Lord, for all of its benefits, be preserved among us, celebrated often, and that the young among us and the old alike would be encouraged to receive it, to receive it worthily, as we will come to see in the, in the passing weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.